0: with the, uh, the Oregon River Trail. Uh, so one of the, the things we do with this series is we like to take a, a, take a look at the, a place or a region or a thing and figure out how to incorporate that into a beer. Um, with this particular beer, uh, Oregon is a very vast space with a lot of different climates and areas and so it's a little bit difficult to kind of nail it down. But what we have for you tonight is a pretty special we're excited about. Um, there's a a new malter out of Madras, Oregon that we're working with. It's called uh, Mega Grade, um, a state malt, and uh, so we, it's an American wheat beer. And so it's kind of represents of the barley growing regions of the state. We use uh, their uh, their malt from there. Um, we've got the millennium hops from the, the hop growing regions of Oregon. Um, Imperial Yeast Lab here uh, out of Portland, Oregon, and um, and some juniper berries in there. Finish off, we hit uh, it with some tart cherries just as the, the, the trail winds down into the uh, fruit growing regions of our state. And it's uh, it's on tap now for the first time ever. Uh, we're looking at launching this beer for reals um, in package and draft uh, coming up in July. I hope. What's that? What's it called? It's called uh, the Oregon Timber Trail Beer. So, yeah, thanks for coming out. Uh, super appreciate to see this room packed full of Thank you all for being here, and the uh, look forward to seeing you. Yeah. Thanks,
1: Ross. Yeah, I want to point out that what, me and Harry have been emailing back and forth about this over a year ago, and uh, I think maybe the first person to be like, hey, what's up, what is this, was Ross right there. He's like, I know you're behind this. so He's the one that sniffed this out before we had even shared it with anyone intentionally. Uh, so I really appreciate that he, he's excited about it, and he's excited about it, and they're on board with the project.
2: <laughs>
1: Bear with us. Uh, technology.
3: Yeah, we've got so, <laughs> <sensitive>, uh, <laughs> a sensitive story. First and foremost, we've got to thank everyone uh, that's brought us this far. Uh, and there's been a, a million people involved. Uh, and will be the whole state of Oregon involved uh, by the end of this project. So, um, in particular, I really want to thank all the folks at the United States Forest Service for collaborating and really making this, this uh, dream a reality. Uh, without their support, we would not have an Oregon trail. So, in particular, I really want to thank Bonnie Lippett, Jeff Mass, Diane Chung, and Dennis Benson for all their work. and. In this concept and making it a reality. And then from uh, from travel Oregon's uh, side of the equation, uh, I really like to thank uh, Kristen Dahl, Scott Bricker, Scott West, Todd Davidson, and Gagliano to, to help make this uh, this thing come uh, make make a ha- have a little funding behind this thing and, and, and support its uh, support its rollout. Additionally, uh, we had some amazing pioneers this past summer. Uh, Sam Kim and Ben, uh, who rode this trail in its very very rough state, uh, they they were true pioneers on this concept, and, and they completed it uh, in 17 days. So they set a pretty a pretty uh, brisk pace for us all to to match. Outside of that, uh, the folks at Basecamp Brewing for supporting us all the way through, and uh, Ride with GPS for uh, supplying mapping support and uh, really helping us understand a lot of logistics around uh, what it takes to develop a 670 mile uh, route through the state of Oregon uh, around many different geographic boundaries so thank you all and uh, uh, most importantly thank thank you guys for showing up uh, uh, you guys are gonna be the, the future timber trail advocates and uh, you guys are gonna help bring this thing uh, bring this thing into reality and uh, sustain it and hopefully Get out there and help steward it, and ensure that it's a, a healthy ecosystem and a healthy, healthy uh, reality for, for Oregonians and, and for uh, uh, for Oregonians as well. So, uh, thanks again, guys.
1: So, By now I think everyone in here probably knows what the American computer show is. I like to ask before we have like meetings and usually it's like not people that are excited about it and they're like right now this is unique to me because everyone's probably already heard of it and is excited about it, so that's awesome. Uh, but what makes it special is that it, it's it's a long-distance mountain bike trail that's it's uh, really unique in the nation. There are other uh, long-distance bike hacking style routes, but this one from its inception uh, is really focused on a single track experience, and I think that's really unique uh, when you compare it to the other long-distance routes out there. But it's not a new idea. Uh, this... People have been traveling across the mountains, traveling across Oregon for hundreds of years. Uh, so the first first uh, European settlers came came to Oregon, and they were using old game trails and old native trails, and those turned into pack and saddle trails to get goods and services and people across uh, across the Cascade Range from central Oregon to the Valley and back. So this is this is cool that we're doing it on bikes now, but we really need to appreciate the legacy of people that have been doing this exact same thing. In, much worse conditions with much worse technology, waiting for us.
2: <laughs>
1: so we were like, "Yeah, let's build a trail for mountain bikes," and started so like researching and connecting the dots and whatnot. And it wasn't until we were like deep into the process that we realized it was like not just about mountain bikes and single track. At the end of the day, that's what makes it really special for for me and for us. But. What's cool about it is it's a lot more like travel. It, it connects communities and ecosystems. It, it, you get to see how landscapes are sort of blended together and as you travel through them and really get to interface with the wildlife and, and the ecology and geology and then the, the cultural history of the community that you travel through as well. So that's that's what's really unique to me. It's not just about mountain biking on the single track experience, although that's what started us down this path. It's much more, it's much broader and much more nuanced than that. I'm not, I'm not going to get the hang of this mouse, so just bear with me, it'll be a little uh, teeter-totter. Uh, so about 100 years ago, these people started using trails for recreation. It wasn't just a way to like, move, and move stuff across, across the, the mountain range. And they developed, they have this idea. They're like, let's turn all these, let's connect all these trails, turn it into a long distance thing that, that really showcases what's so cool about this state and the, and the mountain range and all the, the lakes and the forests and, and everything that we love so much about it. So they, they developed this thing called the Oregon Skyline Trail. And as you can see here, I think this is from nineteen thirties as well. It uh it starts down uh uh, south of Crater Lake, and really follows the spine of the mountain range all the way north to, to the Columbia River Gorge. And if you look at a map of the DCT, it's pretty much this, because it, right after they developed this, California and Washington got sort of jealous, and they decided to connect it all and make it a, a, country, a cross-country <laughs> route. So uh, it's a really neat little bit of history that, that started here in Oregon. And that's what the, the Oregon River Trail is. It's, it's inspired by uh, I'm okay. I give up. But, uh, it's, it's inspired by those screw trails in the national uh, national City trail system and the national recreation trail system. Uh, those people have been developing these trails, and they're they've developed like these amazing resources for recreation all across the country. And they're they're really something to aspire to, and 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 we're doing it with the mountain bike lens. So this here is is a. Uh, just outside of Sisters, Oregon, on the Santiam Wagon Road. Uh, it was so all, all Oregon Trail settlers moved, moved to Oregon and poured into the Willamette Valley, this giant fertile valley that was just amazing for crops and livestock. And then they realized that, oh, wait, we invited too many people, and now there's not enough land for everybody. So there's actually this, the Santiam Wagon Road was developed to move these settlers back east over the Cascade Range to central Oregon, where they could uh, develop ranches and, and, and farms out there. And uh, it's one of the sandiest roads. Even today, it's one of the sandiest, deepest, slowest, rutted roads that I've ever been on. And this guy here—I'm not sure the exact date, but probably twenties or thirties—is riding a single speed, maybe fixed gear, skinny-tired bike. And if you look closely, his right hand is actually a hook that's sort of tied to his handlebar. <laughs> so, so if anyone wants to complain about how sandy this part of the road is, I'm just going to send you this photo. <laughs> Who ordered
2: pizza, number
3: 11? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Somebody's here with it. Uh, we're back. So, what I'm going to do now is uh, work us through just kind of the trajectory and the history of, of the Oregon Timber Trail. Um, just, to, just to understand, uh, how far we've come and, and how far we have to go. Um, you know, the idea of, of developing a PCT style mountain bike trail system in, in Oregon is not a new one. I think we've all in this room probably individually dreamed about it. Um, we just happen to, to uh, take a little bit of extra time to dream about it. <laughs> and uh, uh, to, to really trace it to its roots, uh, it really starts as a, as a Travel Oregon uh, destination development project. And uh, if you're not familiar, Travel Oregon's Destination Development team really really focuses on developing world-class uh, tourism products uh, for the state of Oregon. And uh, through, through that team's work and through the work of a group called the Oregon Bike Tourism Partnership, uh, they really highlighted the need for more long-distance trail systems uh, throughout the state of Oregon. So... Uh, through, that, uh, through that group of uh, bike tourism advocates, uh, uh, they really suggested that we, we start looking at other systems across the world. So we looked at uh, places like New Zealand and Switzerland and uh, uh, the Italian Alps to see what they were op- able to offer from a, a bike tourism perspective. And what we quickly keyed into was uh, this hut-to-hut style travel system. And being able to, to travel uh, overnight on a bike or, on, or via backpack, uh, was this was this dream that that we thought would be so cool to to be able to deliver someday to Oregon, and as a byproduct of that that uh, that whole research and feasibility <laughs> and concept study, we happened to stumble across this alignment because we were asking ourselves, okay, well, if there was a HUD system in Oregon, where would it go through? Well, it would go through pre existing trails, and we uh, just happened to find the the right uh, alignment through that process. So. Uh, uh, I don't believe he's here tonight, but Chris Bernhard, uh, formerly with with Imba and now with Centurus Consulting, uh, really uh, developed the, the first initial alignment and, and said, "Hey, I think we're I think we're onto something." And and he was right. Um, uh, the first concept was around 630 35 miles, and uh, was mostly single track. We realized immediately uh, with the initial alignment, it being 95 percent on. On United States Forest Service managed lands, that we needed to to, to contact them immediately, and that's really where uh, the, the amazing amount of collaboration in this process has occurred. Uh, so, Gabe and I have been busy, uh, really, for the past six to eight eight months, uh, working with uh, Region Six Forest Service office here in, in <laughs> Portland, in addition to uh, the the individual forests and ranger districts across the state. So. Uh, Collaboratively, we, we had about five to six. We called them charrette processes, where we teed this concept up to to forest service recreation staff, and they they basically gut checked us and said, "Hey, look, this is this this alignment is not good here," and and because of this reason, this reason, and this reason. So, Gabe and I went back to the drawing board and uh, redeveloped uh, the route based on on a lot of their suggestions and and the suggestions of, of trail groups across the state. So. Uh, through that long process, uh, we were able to go back and, and redevelop the routes, and and uh, uh, today we're here to present to you uh, a near final uh, concept of, of what what we see as being uh, uh, the tipper trail and and, uh, and uh, really be able to tee up the next steps, which is uh, pretty exciting. Um, and those next steps basically uh, include basically the transfer of of administration and ownership and stewardship to something that we're launching uh, today called the Oregon Timber Trail Association. Um, and the Oregon Timber Trail Association uh, is really that. It's a, it's a group of, of, of timber trail advocates that are dedicated to bringing this concept and stewarding this, stewarding this concept through, through its life, lifetime. Um, very similar to an organization like the PCTA. Um, the Timber Trail Association will uh, organize work parties. Will hopefully be able to uh, to get grants to uh, help help trail tread and help with issues on the trail, or or uh, work with other trail groups uh, to alleviate issues of trail congestion or or trail conflict. So uh, this this group will will steward this concept uh, into the future and and really be able to to take care of it. So uh, we're excited today to. To bring up uh, our our Oregon uh, Timber Trail Board of Directors, so you guys all just kind of want to make your way to the front of the room. I'll I'll introduce you, we'll, or or I can just introduce you because there's kind of packed house. So yeah. We're just either way, um, I'll, I'll read through, and uh, you guys probably know a lot of them, so you'll you'll have an opportunity to 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 chat with them. Uh, throughout the, the rest of the evening, but uh, we have Chris Stefano, Dylan Van Willen, Chris Bernhard, yeah! Stephanie Routh, Stephanie Noel, Zach Jarrett, Zach Gilmore, Sam Clark, Laura Underhill, Jocelyn Gotti, Ash Bocast, and James Good, and myself uh, representing the, the Oregon uh, Timber Trail Association Board of Directors. Great.
2: So we started to, like
3: brought everybody
2: to the table and be like, what we have this trail, we have this route.
1: What what does that mean? And like, how can we make this really have a, a life lifespan? Like, really give it some longevity. longevity? So we, we identified four key tenants of the Oregon Timber Trail Association to really keep. Keep the, the momentum going with the Oregon-Timber Trail. Yeah, that's, the that's not it. So it's stewardship, education, community, and experience. And we can go into that in a little more detail. Stewardship, like Harry mentioned, is is really just taking care of the trails that we're using. And that's something that I have neglected to do as much as I should. I've been riding mountain bikes for 20 years and, and have not really lifted much of a, a shovel or a chainsaw at all to maintain. And so, and that's something, it really wasn't until we started researching this that we realized just how much work a, a few small groups across the state quietly put in every spring to clear the trails that have all this windfall down and landslides and like dig them out and improve them and make them trails that are sustainable and, and uh, don't, don't need as much work in the future. So uh, that's one of our commitments is the stewardship. And education. I I neglected to get my, my CPR first aid training for many, many years. Everyone should get that, it's cheap and easy. Uh, and then and then it's right after I got that, I realized that, that actually doesn't teach you that much. So it's like went, went down and do it and got to the, the my Whooper certification and I realized like how valuable that is and, and how uh, I think a lot more people want to take that and just don't know how to take the first step. So uh, this is just a, uh, from last weekend down at McKenzie on McKenzie River at Lodge. We we held a uh, will, uh our First Day course and a Sawyer certification down there, and we're organizing a, a Wolver uh, certification focused on mountain like biking uh, sometime this summer or fall. So we're really committed to, to this uh, this education component of the Oregon Timber Jail. And community this is uh, a route that it uh, travels through so much of the state that so few people in this room have probably seen so it travels through these communities that i hadn't even seen until i started going on these road trips and researching around and and it's they're excited about it there there's uh the the mayor of oakridge jim he's in the room right now That's how come in all haggard off the trail being like, give me beer, and, then, and you're going to have a family that drives, drives from Portland just for a weekend trip to, to park in a campground and then go day ride sections of the Oregon Timber Trail too, so from from an economic perspective, it's just something to be proud of that comes through their community, this is a really cool asset, it gets, it gets the, a, a new generation excited about doing stuff in their woods and on their trails they go right through their community, so that's a super important aspect of the Oregon Timber Trail Association. And then experience. This one I probably don't need to explain. We're excited about riding bikes. We're excited about riding bikes in the woods on on single track trails. It's fun and we want to really maintain that that, how good it is in Oregon and really preserve that that single track mountain bike experience and and dedicate a lot of time to access issues and, and, and relationships with other trail groups just to make sure that we can all have a really good experience in that country. So here's sort of just a general overview what we have online for 2017. We've got uh, four or five work parties. That's going to be just show up with some gloves and, uh, and a shovel or two, and we'll just maintain the trail. Uh, we'll the soilers that we just mentioned. Like we're hoping to get them out of the trail and, and cut out windfall logs from from the nasty litter we've had. Uh, well, medicine training. We want to really do some community tying events, and then some advocacy and conservation work as well. So
3: it's a pretty uh, Broad spectrum that we've got lined up for ourselves this summer. You can also expect us to do some element of, of workshop or delivery within the community to, to get communities aware of, of the potential that is in Timber Trail. I mean, uh, this is going to be a, uh, over its lifespan a, a steady stream of uh, bike packers coming through town. So, Travel Oregon specifically has, has great expertise and. and and, and getting communities aware of what what bike tourism brings uh, in terms of economics, so uh, hopefully down the road we'll be able to roll out some type of uh, uh, bike tourism studio related work uh, associated with the Timber Show.
1: So, there it is.
2: Everyone see where to go? And then you wind that way. so
1: uh, it, it will be slow-releasing, like, really detailed uh, route guide and GPS files over the coming weeks. But we want to give you, like, a, a short overview right now, uh, so you know what to expect. You know how to, like, start planning for a trip in the summer. As you can see, we've broken it down into four tiers. Uh, It's—the four tiers sort of happen naturally. We, we looked at, like I said earlier, uh, landscape and it has really four distinct landscapes and then we realized oh, those are also the four national forests. I guess they thought of that before we did. Uh, so it, it, it lines up really well like that. Uh, those, those four tiers make up 670 miles um, and it's a lot of elevation gain, it's about 66,000 feet. And we're
0: estimating
2: people will
1: take about 20 to 30 days. Uh, I'm sure that we've been
3: doing it faster and people are doing it longer. But uh, that, that seems to be about a, good, a good estimate. <laughs> I can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you run that while he's talking? Yeah, I'll drive on it. Right. tell me where to go. i uh, got the...
1: No, <laughs> so the Fremont tier, the Willamette tier, the Deschutes tier, and the Hood tier. Uh, the Fremont is one of the longer, starts. we're suggesting you start in the south, and the, the Hood tier is also uh, one of the longer, and then in the middle we've got the Deschutes tier and the Willamette tier. And these probably go over trails that you all hiked or biked on already, you're going to be familiar with some of them, but it's also going to tie in a lot of trails that no one's heard of or ridden for many years, like literally some of the trails have had trees and are just disappearing into the earth. So we're really excited to get out there and, and uncover them and get people back on them to appreciate these forests. Among the four tiers, we've divided it into, I think that's 10, yeah, 10 segments. And uh, that's sort of based on, on resupplies and logistics uh, of water and food, and then there's sort of natural geographic uh, landmarks as well. So that's, that's a way to sort of like granularize it a little bit more. So Fremontier, it starts down and what really dominates the Fremontier is this basin range country and uh, it's this, unlike what most people think of Oregon, it's pretty vast and and you you have these visas that just go on for miles and miles and miles. Uh, It's really cool and the the, the Fremontier follows the Fremont National Recreation Trail, which is something that no one's ever heard of because it's something that hasn't really been used a whole lot. And uh, it's, really, it's really exciting to, to go down there and explore parts of this trail that just with very few people. If you run into people on the trail, they have that same look in their eye you're like, oh, I can't believe we're doing this. Like, how come no one else knows about this? So this is Lily Lake, and uh, you can just go through these sort of quick. This is Lily Lake, this is where the trail starts. It's right on the border of California and Washington, just out of the Lakeview. It's at about 7,000 feet, and pretty quickly you climb up over 8,000 feet, right in the first 30 miles of the trail. Uh, And this is, is, there's been some uh, major beetle kill and fire damage down there, so a lot of the southern uh, areas are really dry and and look like this. And like that, and like that. Uh, This is, this is... uh, this is Winter Ridge right here. Winter Ridge has a really neat story. Uh, you can, I think, it's a little quote from General Fremont's expedition who discovered, or, or the, uh, the first white guy to discover uh, Winter Ridge. Uh, he's got a, he's got a really. He wrote a journal this whole way, and, and, and it's pretty fascinating to read about how his, he took this this big group of. of sort of military explorer type folks, they were dragging a howitzer on a wagon behind them. This is how uh, So they, they were mired in snow, and they they're coming up the backside of this to the right here, so you can't tell you're up on a, on a cliff at all, you like, Going through this forest and it was, it's just kind of like a miserable time, they're just like going super slow and they come to the edge of this cliff and then they see this golden valley with the sun breaking through the snow and like shining on this lake. So that's how I got the name Winter Ridge and then down below off to the left you see Summer Lake. And this is a—this uh, is right on the rim there, that, that, that's the Fremont Point Cabin which you can find out uh, and then the trail literally follows the, the edge of this, this ridge. For for miles um, going south to north,
2: hmm.
1: and then you you cross ninety like, seven, you refuel in Ishmael, uh, which is this little tiny town, and you can buy mushrooms because for some reason there's always mushrooms for sale there. Um, and then and then you cross cross the Cascades for the first time. It's a pretty gradual climb up and over, and then you're here in the, the the area, which is. Uh, you, get, you typically get there through Oak Ridge and head up to the Middle Fork of the Atlantic, but we're going north this time, so you can get up to Benogues Lake, which is just really a fun lake, and then just, down, just head down the whole Middle Fork Trail into Oak Ridge, which is about wow. like halfway point. and a uh, good, good place for a rest day, good place for a rest stop, there's camping just outside of town, so just fantastic riding, bear grass, and, and just really neat single track and, and amazing forest. And then you climb up. You after you leave Ridge, you climb up bunchgrass uh, ridge on forest roads and single track, and then descend down into the uh, Lake, and continue continue into the Deschutes here, uh, winding around the Cascade
3: Lakes area and uh, around Mount Bachelor. One quick aside, like in terms of uh, difficulty level. Uh, where logistics wise and just uh, aerobic and technical difficulty, I think the Deschutes is probably the most uh, most accessible and probably the easiest for, for folks just looking to get into the, the activity of bike packing. What's one thing what do you think about the, the shoots
1: tier too is as we really tried to maintain the backcountry aspect of the whole route. Instead of going in the to resupply uh, or into Eugene or something, we're trying to resupply the biggest towns I think are Operation Sisters that we go to. And in between all those, there's these fantastic lodges, resort lodges on lakes um, that you—they have enough basic supplies to give you uh, by uh, and this is one of the, the nicest ones on Suttle Lake. The Suttle Lodge just reopened uh, this past uh, year. And and they've really done an amazing job uh, rehabilitating the structure and, and, and bringing it up, speed again. And then you cross back over the Cascade Range, uh, once more on the Sandy Way Road, and uh, descend down into the, the old Cascade Crest area, which is sort of a... Pretty remote area, paralleling Highway 20, uh, on, and then continuing north up towards Brighton Bush, another great spot for uh, a rest, rest day. And this is really dominated, uh, now we're getting far, farther north, it's a little bit wetter, uh, and you're climbing up into the Wally Lakes area, which just gets a little more alpine, and it's just dotted with these really cool lakes and marshes. And then you get to Surveyor's Ridge. These are trails that you guys all know. Surveyor's Ridge, 44 trails. You're seeing Mount Hood. Mount Hood is just dominating in the skyline. And you descend into the Park uh, Parkdale uh, Valley, Hood River Valley, and get some barbecue, and then finish with a, a descent down Post Canyon and get your front tires in the river. such a precedent for a 17-day time that I'm a little intimidated now, so I'm coming up with excuses why it's going to take me way longer already. Uh, so look, real quick, uh, this information will be online really quick too, but I really want to sort of temper everyone's expectations, uh, just some the data behind the route, and how this like, will sync up the routes that you've written or, or adventures you've done, on and just give everyone a good idea of what to expect uh, from the difficulty and logistic standpoint. So 670 miles,
2: 600 or 66,000 feet
1: of elevation gain. actually a net loss though, yeah, because you are starting at 7,000 feet, feet and
2: 800,000,
1: so that's good. <laughs> <laughs> so we're estimating 20 to 30 days, no. and the riding, season, <laughs> especially this year, since we're going to do so much trail work and there's so much snow there. Probably not going to be able to. Get a good idea to start before the middle of July or late July. So the riding season is really short this year and future years. Hopefully we'll have a better handle on it and be able to really clear those ground out earlier and push that back into June. But it's it's a pretty a, a route that takes a whole month to ride. It's a it's a pretty big, short uh, riding season. I think it's about ninety days or less. So we're doing it, doing it north or south to north. A lot of people just assume we're starting close to home and then going south. Then you end up in Lakeview and you're like, how how do I get home? So it seems to make more sense to go, try to get somewhere when you're fresh, uh, try to get somewhere that's way far away and then work your way slowly back towards civilization.
2: So, and then there's
3: that net loss of
2: elevation,
1: which is sort of nice to think about too. It's like a long shuttle ride. What makes it really unique is that as it stands right now, it is over, over 80 percent single track. And that's amazing. <laughs> if, if you look at the Great Divide Mountain Route, which is a like fantastic route it crosses the whole the whole country from Banff all the way to El well, New Mexico, that's only about five to ten percent single track. It's great. It rides on these these amazing road roads and gravel roads, and it's an amazing route. But but focusing on the single track experience and realizing we can link together a route that consists of over half. Single track, it's really unique when you start comparing each other other uh, bikepacking and bike routes. And uh, the parts that aren't single track are mostly dirt. There's only about ten percent asphalt, and that's what we're really going to try focusing on first. Is like getting people off of those those highway crossings, uh ups, to really get 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 folks off the pavement because one really minds riding on dirt roads that much, but like if you're riding a loaded mountain bike, you don't want to be uh, cruising on uh, a paved road very much. So physical difficulty.
2: I'm trying kind to of
1: scare everyone off from riding this because I'm like I don't want anyone to, to die. Uh, uh, it's going to be especially this year. It's going to be really hard. Uh, we're, we're not be able to get really out there and maintain the trails and really figure out wh- how hard it all is and where the hardest parts are. So I think a lot of it is going to be really hard and you're going to be sort of surprised by it. It's going to be a lot of lifting your bike, it's going to be a lot of trees down on the trails, uh, and just a, just a lot more elevation and, and, and hills and ups and downs and really sort of rough conditions since these scopes haven't been used in many, many years. Technical difficulty. I think this will come down over the years too, as we as we really figure out where the hardest parts are and maybe make some rewrites. But we're not we're not trying to make something that's really hard. We want to make something that's moderately difficult, that's fun for everybody, but not really really challenging for someone that's an intermediate to a beginner bound This
2: is my first 20 days. We're difficulty.
3: <laughs> 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 Technical difficulty, yeah.
1: exactly. Logistical difficulty. This means, like, how, okay, is there going to be a 7 Eleven every day at 2 p.m., or, you know, like, how many days are you going to go, and how hard is it to figure out uh, where to resupply along the route? And that, it's it sort of depends. I think there's not, not a whole lot of really, really good resupplies, but there's enough little corner stores in these tiny towns. Uh, that really can give you like the basics, give some running, some hot dogs, uh, maybe, maybe a lime, some sort um, So there's, it's out there, it's pretty, it's pretty rugged and remote, but it's not going to be gourmet. Uh, there, there's a few really good spots along the road, and we're going to highlight those, but a lot of time it's going to be, it's definitely going to be that backcountry uh, cooking. So 100 miles is the longest uh, uh, distance without resupply. And that's actually not, we think that'd be in the southern part of the state, it's actually uh, in the northern part on your way to the Wally Lake Resort, has a little store. Uh, and then it's 100 miles all the way to Parkdale without any services. You can go off route about 5 or 10 miles, and get stuff at uh, uh Lake and, and stuff on Mount Hood, but that's actually a long stretch. Down south there's a couple sections that are 40-45 miles without water. And, uh, and then those water sources are really, really important because that's sort of the only sort of dribbling spring anywhere around. So it, that's gonna be really important and one of the things that I'm, I'm sort of more, more worried about because I haven't, I've been down there, but if those springs and water sources change really dramatically year to year and then at what time of the season, you're there. So that's something that I think is really gonna be uh, prudent to be really, uh, uh, carry more water than you need and be uh, really generous with how much water you think you need. Suspension. I'm already getting this question. Yes, it's a good thing. This is going to be really rough. Um, you can ride it on a rigid bike if you are really comfortable doing that. I'm not going to tell anyone they can do something, but it's going to be a little bit rough.
2: Uh, it's not a fat bike or a plus bike route. You can ride either on it, but you really it's a mountain bike route. You really only need uh, a mountain bike to ride.
1: Maximum. <laughs> Maximum. <laughs> Maximum. <laughs> so, 2017. I think you sort of getting where I'm going with this. Like, we don't know like a lot of these sections really well. Um, we've done a lot of research a lot of scouting, but it's sort of uh, there's a lot of unknowns still, um, and, and it's being actively developed. So, <clears throat> we're asking people to sign up to, uh, to to really get involved. If you want to go ride the route this year. Uh, if you're already on the on our email newsletter, that's great, but uh, really, really sign up to this Pioneer program that we're going to do. And and that brings us to another good point that there's always going to be people that want to race a route, and maybe down the road someone will organize a race on this route or, or an event or something, and that's fine. But this isn't the year for it. Uh, not only will your times be slower than the subpoop years because it's going to be completely covered in trees, uh, it's just not... It's just not really ready for it. The community's not ready for it. And like, I feel like once you bring competition into, into a, a route like this, it, you sort of disconnect yourself with the landscape and you rush through it all. And I don't think that this the time and of place for that. So just hold your horses. Um, I think this is much more appropriate to ride on your own or with your friends. And uh, just have a good time out there and like say hi to the people that you meet on the trail. Woo! ride the route this year. Yeah. Alright. Cool. Um, you're not going to be able to get to it, but there's a
2: sign-up sheet. It's pink. Uh, there's, there's 2 sign-up <laughs> sheets. A white one
1: is for our general, uh, general email newsletter, and the pink one is if you really want to ride it this year. sign-up there. Uh, there's also a form on OregonTuberTrail.org. Uh, there's, there's a button on the top right. Or you can sign up to a mailing list there. And we'll just, we'll just keep up today with the tours and our logistics and, and anything that's really specific to the, the, how the route's being actually developed this year. And we're sort of doing that selfishly because at the end of the summer, we really want to take all that, those communications that we've talked to you and be like, hey, so how was, it? did it. Was it actually cool? Uh, so, so it'd be great if you could just sign up so we can have that open of communication and really get that feedback from you guys. So that brings us to the people that have already written it. If you want to come up
3: here, Kim.
1: So, I think it was, we were working on this and it was May or June. And <laughs> the, these two ladies came to us, and were like, "We want to ride the road." And I was like, "I want to ride the road uh, but but they insisted, and they're like, "No, we're totally prepared for this, and as you can see they're way more prepared than like I would have been um, they, they, they really did their research. They came to me being like, why did you route the route over here? And I'm like, I don't know, that's a way better route. So, and they, they, really, they really did like really detailed uh, map research beforehand. They they prepared with like, this is, uh, they were riding it with man support from Ben, who's over there as well. And uh, he, he did a really good job of going, setting up camp and like getting food ready and then riding up the trail with snacks for them. I, I mean, just following their progress reports was just like heartwarming to see how awesome they were. They're kicking ass out there, so I just want to say thank you for for uh, just kicking ass on this trail and making it look so awesome. <laughs> For, for you guys. Harry, do you want to say anything else? We can open up for Q&A in a second if you have questions for me, Harry, the board members, or, or Sam and Kim. Where
3: are maps? Internet. Where are you going to get maps? We're going to post the, the maps online, so uh, we're going to we're going to evaluate those, those final maps through the board service and uh, just get uh, final sign-off and then uh, you can anticipate the maps be published on OregonTumberTrail.org sometime this spring. Any other questions? Yeah, what's the best background in the room there? Did it ask include turn-by-turn directions or are we sort of running through a uh, question
2: and
1: cliff-a-fighting? Alexa. No. <laughs> uh, it's just, I want to say that would cause more confusion. I mean, especially not this year, but I don't think I'm in the future either. That's just going to cause more confusion than than we want. It, there's so, we have, there's such a dense network of trails out there and I think that that would just be really hard with, with how many different <coughs> sectors you can come to that are on mark and, and sort of to bring this
2: out. Uh, what about dogs?
3: Are you bringing dogs on here uh, I think that really boils down to uh, know the, the wildlife considerations on the trail so um, if, you, if you have a responsible dog um, you know you would just need to follow all, all forest service guidelines about um take your pet to be very clear uh, this does not go through wilderness or any, any uh, additional level of forest service protection area and land so um, yeah so that brings up a great point you know we don't trace ethics throughout this whole route are absolutely necessary. So um, you know, it's, it's, it's almost one of those things. There's no tolerance. We uh, we we have the unique uh, opportunity and time here to set a good precedent for this trail and set a good precedent for usership. And uh, we'd be fools to to uh, ruin it for, for the long term. So uh, whatever you, do, whether it's pets, whether it's writing, just do it responsibly and carefully, because we want this thing to be around for a long time. So Port- Portland has a master a conference next week, uh, and there's oh, a lot of involvement with U.S. Forest Service and a lot of different other people from uh, internationally coming into the city. Uh, what should we say? What should we tell them? You, you can tell them what you heard today. Um, uh, basically, it's, uh, it's a concept of, of pre-existing trails that, uh, that, that existed on Oregon lands for a long period of time and we're getting excited uh, to release the routes uh, this spring.